0: Welcome to the Scriptures are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the Scriptures that have become very real to us, and that helps us to draw more power out of the Scriptures, we hope, because we need the power that is in the Scriptures. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is a short cast where we'll talk a little bit about Exodus 19 and 20. Now, uh, I've talked about Exodus 19 and 20 with Phil Allred already, and we talked about a lot of really key things. And uh, you'll find in another episode where we do the law, uh, we cover some stuff in Leviticus and so on, but I visit with Dr. Avram Shannon in that one about um, some things in Exodus 19 and 20 as well. So I don't want to be too redundant, so we're only going to touch on a couple of things, but there are a couple of things that I feel it's really important that we we touch about because when we come back to numbers and we try and draw what I think is one of the most important lessons from the Old Testament, especially from this section of the Old Testament. Uh, we need to have covered some of these things. Uh, I think it's really, really important. So let's just um, go over a couple of things in Exodus 19. Some of this uh, I'll just touch on so briefly because we did it when that, that wonderful interview with Phil already. He's always so fantastic. Um, but we get uh, that they come to Mount Sinai. And let me just say that this is hugely important that this covenant episode at Mount Sinai this is when Israel becomes God's people or enters into the covenant on their own. So we've talked about covenant so much at this point. Remember that Abraham entered into the covenant and then Isaac had to do it individually and then Jacob had to do it and Joseph had to do it and, and the, Jacob's other sons had to do it and we lose track of it. But the, the fact of the matter is everyone has to enter into the covenant individually. This is where we see the house of Israel entering into it individually. And this will change forever. Something about the house of Israel. This is when they all as a group uh, enter into that covenant with God, it's it's a foundational event for them. And it's a foundational event for us as well, because we are of the house of Israel. We are inheritors of this covenant. It's administered to, administered to us differently. There are different elements of it. God tailors the covenant for the people and the place and the time and the circumstances and so on. But it's essentially the same covenant. And as we're inheritors of this covenant, just like we're inheritors of the Abrahamic covenant, they are as well. This is the Abrahamic covenant. But this event is seminal for us as well, and we should be able to put ourselves in the place of Israel. And that's part of what we need to do if we're going to learn from this. So we get them coming to Mount Sinai after uh, coming through the wilderness and uh, having the problems at Massah and Meribah, which uh, we, we learn in other elsewhere in scriptures that, that Massah and Meribah is, is uh, part of this provocation in the wilderness that God talks about. But they, they've come through all of that, and they've arrived at Mount Sinai. And God uh, calls Moses up, and he says that they should tell uh, all of Israel. We're in verse 4 now of Exodus 19. Uh, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. So I talked about that with Phil, so we're going to keep moving. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you should be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Um, again, uh, peculiar, this uh, segulah, this uh, treasure that's that's, uh, so valuable because it's rare and the idea that then they're going to be a holy nation and that meaning that they're different, less worldly. I talked about all of that with Phil, so we're not going to go into it here, but what I want you to see is that before they enter into the covenant, God wants them to know what they're getting into. Just like um, I, a few days ago, I interviewed a couple of uh, young men for uh, being baptized. Uh, they were baptized this morning, but when I interviewed them, I wanted to make sure they understood. Now, there are eight. They, they don't fully understand, but I wanted to make sure they understood what they were covenanting to do. Israel doesn't fully understand, but God wants to make sure they know what they're covenanting to to do, right? Um, So, and we'll come back to this idea of what it means to be holy when we visit with Avram Shannon as well. But God, uh, Moses tells it to the people and the people say that they'll do it. Uh, And then look at this in verse nine. And the Lord said unto Moses, lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. So that's interesting, because the the purpose of him coming is that the people can hear God speaking, and know for sure that Moses is God's representative. One of the things that we often miss in chapter 20, uh, we get the Ten Commandments being given to the people, and it's a little bit Uh, uh, you can see it a little bit in in chapter 20, 19 and 20. But if you go to Moses's retelling of the event in Deuteronomy 5, it becomes absolutely clear that everyone heard God's voice as he's giving the commandments. Everybody hears God's voice. So uh, that's part of what God is saying about, I'm going to come down in this dark cloud so that everyone can hear and know that I'm with you. And so it seems like he's saying, I'm going to come down and do some things at, and they won't see me at that point. And then we'll get to this uh, seeing me part. Uh, so let's let's read that part a little bit more. We get to verse 10. Uh, we're going to read 10 through through uh, 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them to come uh, today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. So I, I suppose this means spiritually and physically sanctifying themselves and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down on the side of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, I take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. So note what he is saying. I'm going to come down. And. They are going to know that I am with you. You're going to spend three days preparing yourself to see me. Three days of all sorts of preparations to see me. And make sure that before I say it's time, no one comes through. Set boundaries. Do everything you need to. Do not let people come through before it's time. Now, I want you to think about this. He's he's offering for them to come into his presence. That's what God is offering. And that's a fantastic uh, blessing, a fantastic promise. But uh, the issue is that we can't come into God's presence in our current state. If you and I were to come into God's presence in our current state, we wouldn't survive it. Moses learned that very well in Moses chapter one. If he uh, comes into God's presence without being transfigured, he doesn't survive, but he is transfigured and so he can survive. And that's what God is saying. Don't come through until I'm ready to change you, until you are sufficiently prepared for uh, you to allow yourself to have me change you. And then you can come into my presence. But before that happens, I will come down. There will be noise. There'll be, you can be able to tell that I'm there, but you won't see me yet. That's what this thick cloud is all about. And in fact, I wrote an article once about this When uh, You don't find this interplay in the Genesis account, but after, um, Exodus, from then on out, anytime you read in the Bible of uh, people trying to describe what it's like to be in God's presence, you find people really wrestle with that. It's hard to describe God's presence. No one is able to. They really struggle to describe it. And that's because it's beyond description. If someone hasn't experienced it, it doesn't matter what someone else says, they're not going to understand it. Um, and so it's beyond description. But one of the consistent elements is that there's an element of both hiding and revealing. God wants to reveal himself to us, but he is so much more glorious than us. And uh, so different than us that there, there has to be an element of hiding of him, hiding himself from us and us being hidden from him. So we don't come into his presence. It's like the veil in the, where the Holy of Holies is. So you don't come through and accidentally see God and die because you're not ready for it. Um, God is coming down, but he hides himself from you. And then whoever is ready can can get a glimpse through whatever is hiding him right whether it's a cloud or a veil or whatever is symbolically separating us from god the only those who are ready at the right time who have been changed get this glimpse of god but typically you don't so instead you get the the cloud that hides his presence and that's what's happening god is already coming down in a cloud and he's telling them so that everyone can hear get ready i do want you to come up and see me but it's going to be three days, and then even on those three days, don't come until there's a, a long trumpet sounding, and then you can come up and see me. But everybody can see me; everyone can come into my presence if you do it that way. All right. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. Um, and it came to pass that on the third day there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. All right. So I don't know if this is the trumpet sounding long. It doesn't seem like it's the trumpet sounding long. It sounds like this is the trumpet loud, but it may not be the time when they're actually supposed to come to his presence yet. And I think not because it's not the time yet where they're going to hear his voice. And God says they're all going to hear my voice. I want them to hear my voice. So we haven't had that happen yet. So Moses brings forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stand at the nether part down at the bottom of the mountain, and Mount Sinai, is on smoke. And God descends upon it in fire, and the smoke ascends up as the smoke of a furnace. So they can't see. They see that God is descending. They see the fire, the light descending. Tremendous light descends, but it's hidden by this cloud or this smoke, so they can't quite see it yet. And now we get the voice of the trumpet sounding long, and it waxes louder and louder. And Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the Mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the Mount. Moses went up and the Lord says to Moses, go down and charge the people lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish and let the priests also, which come near the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break, Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said, they can't come up because you told us not to have them come up. And the Lord says, get down and you will come up and Aaron, but don't let the priests and the people break through now. You can read that to say, OK, wait, you told us that we were going to be able to come up, but now you're telling us we can't. But I think if we set this in order, it seems to me like God has said, uh, you're going to be able to come up. Here are all the preparations you need to go through. Now they've done those preparations that Trump has sounded and it's time. But he hasn't yet done the part where he speaks uh, uh, and gives them the law and they all hear it, which he said that he wanted to have happen. That hasn't happened yet. So I think he's saying. Here's the next step in your preparation. Some will come to me, and that's when I will speak to those some who come to me, and they'll hear me speaking to them, and then it will happen, right? Because that's the order that he told them up above. It's only when they hear me speaking, then I'm going to bring them all into my presence. So uh, Moses goes down, and he says, until then, don't let them come up. We're in this process, but don't jump the gun. Keep preparing. I have some things I want to do first. All right. And then the next thing we get is that that Moses goes down and then God speaks the word saying, I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I talked about that with Phil already. I thought he did such a beautiful, powerful job with that. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. And as I said, in the Deuteronomy account, everybody hears that. Let me let me look that up real quickly so that we we can know that Um, as as in verse four, the Lord talked with you face to face in the mount, mount out of the midst of the fire. I stood between you and the Lord, uh, or between the Lord and you at that time, to shew you the word of the Lord, for you were sore afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up into the mount, saying, I, and then he says, quotes God, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and he recounts um, the Ten Commandments for them, Uh, and so then we get to the end of the Ten Commandments, verse 22, these words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice. And he added no more, and he wrote them with two tablets of uh, tables of stone, and delivered them unto me. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath shewed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire, We have seen this day that God doth talk with man and he liveth. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die. All right. So that's what we get in the Deuteronomy account. Let's look at the Exodus account. We're back in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Right. So This is key. God has told them he wants them to come into his presence. He's outlined when and how and what he needs to have happen beforehand. And it seems like the last thing is that they believe that God speaks with Moses and that what Moses tells them is true. And and in order to demonstrate that, he will have them all hear him speaking with Moses. The problem is that they see his glory, and this is natural. Any time you find someone who sees an angel, well, not any time, but but most of the time in scriptures, someone who sees an angel or God, the first thing that has to be told them is "Fear not." My guess is it's every time, uh, but we only have it recorded some of the time. God is so glorious that it's overwhelming. It is just absolutely overwhelming. And so it's not surprising that they're overwhelmed, but they learn with a certainty that what God, what Moses tells them is God's will. Now, Moses is telling them, God wants you to come into my presence, but they are saying, no, we know God speaks with you. So you speak with us and you speak with God. We don't want to see God. We are afraid we will die. If we see God and then Moses tries to uh, encourage them, he says unto the people, fear not for God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off and Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God was so that the people refuse. It's interesting. Moses says, fear not. That's the same thing he said to them at uh, the parting of the Red Sea. They're afraid the Egyptians are going to kill them. Okay, Good thing to be afraid of. They're right. The Egyptians can kill them. But Moses says, fear not. And look, God took care of it. So now they see God, we could die in God's presence. Fair enough. If God doesn't bring you into his presence in his way, then you will die. But God says, fear not. Or Moses is representative. So God through Moses says, fear not. And now the last time they heard this, it worked out. But this time they don't believe it. And they have Moses talk with them and they refuse it. Joseph Smith tells us this is why they get the lower law. Uh, We see it in section 84 and and elsewhere. Uh, This is why they get this lower law. This is why they will wander in the wilderness. They don't enter into the rest of God is what we learn in the doctrine of covenants or section 84. They don't enter into the rest of God because they don't believe God when he says he can bring them into his presence. And it's interesting because it's the very thing where he says, I want you to know my power and I want you to, to see that i speak with moses then you should believe moses when he says you can come into my presence but instead they see his power they know that he speaks with moses and they say good enough for us moses you do the speaking not us they want an intermediary rather than direct contact with god they don't seem to believe that god can bring them into their presence this is a sad thing um this this uh will set the course for Israel for the next quite a while. Now, we're going to talk more about it. When we get to Numbers 14, we're going to see them having a, the same issue, and we're going to draw some real lessons and talk about this quite a bit more, but it will only make sense if we've gone through this. So I guess the question for us today is to ask ourselves, are we struggling with believing God? As we come to understand the gap between ourselves and God, Do we struggle believing God that he can bring us back to him? Start asking yourself that question. We'll return to it when we get to numbers. There's another thing that I do want to touch on very quickly. If we look at chapter 19, when it says that they will be a holy nation, God wants them to be a holy nation. And we've talked before, and we'll talk again with Avram, that that means set apart different. It means not worldly, but godly is what it really means. Now, this will be the, the, thing God asks of Israel again and again and again. He wants them to be a holy people. And that's part of the covenant is to become a holy people. They set themselves apart, and that will allow God to change them so that they become holy. And then hopefully they can help other people come to God so that God can make those people holy. Uh, We ask ourselves the question, do we see this with Abraham? I don't see Abraham being told to be a holy person. Instead, God tells him so that the word is, is uh, variations of the word kadosh, all right, is Hebrew, um, uh, to be holy. But instead, Abraham was told to be tamam or tamim. You remember we talked about that back then. Tamam or tamim. Tamam's the Arabic version. I just got back from Egypt and this is what you say to everyone all the time. Everything tamam, okay, is, is really kind of what it means. But we talked with this. You may remember when we talked about it that tamim means to be whole, completed finished, done, uh, and we tied it in with covenant and ordinances, meaning that you are made as whole and or holy or godly as is possible at this stage through the ordinances uh, of the priesthood and the atoning power of Christ, and so I think it's really the same thing. Saying that they will be a holy nation is, is telling them that they will become Tamam, or tamim sorry i keep doing the arabic version tamim uh they will become people who are are tom that's the, the short of it that they will become people who are are complete or whole meaning they have become as godly as they should and can given the phase of existence that they are in which is what god wanted of israel here he wanted them to get to the point where they could come up and meet him like Moses came up to meet him. Now, he's not telling them that he's going to exalt them at that point. He wants them to be able to come and meet him. It will work for Moses. We'll see that it works for Aaron, Joshua, 70 of the sons, uh, or elders of Israel. Um, some people are willing to get to that point. They believe God enough that, that they can get to that point, and others aren't willing to. They don't believe God enough. Um, but the point is that God Will make them holy or as complete as they should be or could be at that point by taking advantage of the ordinances and covenants and the atoning power of Christ they can be complete or full for who they are and what stage they are in in life at that time at that moment. That's what God wants is for us to be holy or a godly, not fully exalted beings, but not telestial beings either that's what it means to be holy and i think also to be tamam or or to be perfect in our generation the word that was the phrase that's used with abraham and with um noah perfect in our generation means as godly as we can be right now um now i hope that i am more godly and able to be more godly tomorrow than i am today i hope that uh, a few years from now i'll be more godly Than I am right now. I'll tell you that there are things that I can uh, remember when I got married, and I do some. My wife would say, "I don't think that's really appropriate." That's okay, and I think, "What's wrong with her?" Of course, there's nothing wrong with this. And then I'm looking back 25, 27 years later, and I think, "Huh, how did I ever think that was okay?" Of course, that wasn't okay. But what I'm doing right now is fine. And I suspect that five years from now, I'll look back and say, "Huh, why did I think that was fine?" No, I could, I could be better than that. That's becoming more holy. So uh, maybe I'm to mom for what I can be right now. But as I continue to renew my covenants and partake of the atoning sacrifice of Christ and repent daily and um, make time for Christ and uh, and follow him and um, uh, let him prevail in my life and all these things that President Nelson is telling us to do. If I will do those things, then five years from now, I'll be holier than I am now. I'll still be to mom or Tamim, as as whole as I can be right now, but uh, it will be holier than I am now, less worldly, more godly. That's what we're looking for. And we have to believe that God can help us do that rather than believe the world when it tells us to be worldly or believe the world when it tells us that that can't happen for us. I believe God can and will change us. And I glory in that and testify of that